Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. And if you're new to the show or need a reminder, our home base is wedontdie.com, where you can find past episodes. You can find my other show on iHeartRadio called Shades of the Afterlife. And also, we have a free Sunday gathering, inspirational service every Sunday at two o'clock New York time with medium demonstration included. We have medium classes and there's a whole bunch more. So that's all at wedontdie.com. Our guest today is the host of the show Beyond with Heather Tash on YouTube. Heather has been fascinated by near-death experiences for decades. And prior to starting that show, she spent more than 25 years working as a meteorologist. And a journalist, most notably on the Weather Channel. You can visit her YouTube channel, Beyond with Heather Tesh. Simple as that. Heather, new friend, welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Thank you so much. I am so honored to be here. I have been watching your show for years and years, and you just do such an incredible job. Um, It's really been a blessing to so many people, including myself. Oh, thank you so much for that. And how Heather and I met is I'm always looking for good people, good stories. And I found her YouTube channel. And so I started watching her channel and I thought, let me just reach out to this lady and see if she wants to be interviewed. Because Heather, we can never hear enough good stories, especially near-death experiences. And I'm sure you've heard a bunch. So if you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit about you, I mean, it's a big jump from meteorologist to show host on YouTube about near-death experiences, maybe doing it all, but tell us a little bit about you. It is a big jump. And and I also want to say too, at the start, the neat thing about people in this community like you and people that have had near-death experiences is because they've learned so much about love and kindness, you know, they're willing to have somebody like me who's new and not see me as competition, but say, hey, you know, let's introduce Heather. And I just, I think it's just such a beautiful thing when we all reach out to others and try to lift them up. So I appreciate that. And I thank you so much for doing that. My pleasure. My pleasure. But yes, I um, had quite a career, a long career as a meteorologist. And even prior to that, for a few years, I was actually a journalist. So first I went to journalism school. Then I went back to school for meteorology. And I worked in several places. My husband was in the Navy and we got married right out of college. So we moved around a lot. So I worked in a lot of stations around the country. Um, We went to Minneapolis and I was a meteorologist at the time. And we thought we'd stay there forever because that was home. And then the Weather Channel called and said, hey, just come down and talk to us. And I thought, oh, I'll just, you know, I'll go down there. But I I didn't think I'd love it. Um, You know, I hadn't lived in the Atlanta area and I just fell in love with Atlanta. I fell in love with the company, the Weather Channel that was owned by Landmark Communications at the time. And um, so I came down here and I've been down here now for 24 years and I just transitioned in May. I wrapped up my meteorology work and like two days later, I dropped my first episode of my podcast, which yes, is a very different topic. Excuse me. I was telling Sandra earlier that I had COVID in September and I still have a little <laughs> a little bit of this cough. So I know there's a lot of good vibes out there. Please send them my way. I'm still trying to get over this. But um, but so anyway, so I transitioned into something that I have loved for decades. My first college paper was actually on near-death experiences. They were brand new back then. I don't even know if there are many books out. Um, I think I saw an article in Reader's Digest on it. And that's what kind of led to this college paper. So I've been interested in them for a long time. But you can't really make a career out of that back at that time. Now people are. But um, so I went into meteorology and I love that. I met so many great people. Um, There's so many smart people I worked with. I felt like I was constantly learning things. So it really was a blessing. But it was time for a change in my life. This is something I've always loved. And I kind of got brave enough to do it. Um, I think you had talked about, too, when you initially started looking into this kind of thing. You know, you kind of wonder, well, how are people going to think about it? And and I also thought a lot about um, people close to me that maybe this isn't in their comfort zone and I didn't want to make them uncomfortable. 
And so it really was kind of a hurdle to get over to think that, you know, I, I really need to be authentic. And this is what's very near and dear to me. And I'm fascinated by these stories. And I'm a seeker. You know, I'm not an expert, but I'm just asking lots of questions because I'm so curious. I love to learn about it. So um, I started this channel, Beyond with Heather Tesh, and I'm loving it. I'm loving to meet people like you. It's just such an incredible community. Yeah, it is a leap of faith. I, mm -hmm. I still remember that moment that I announced to the world that I wrote my book. I was catering for race car teams. That was my mm -hmm. employment for almost 35 years. And one of the race car drivers' dads created the big giant stand-up banner to surprise me at one of the biggest races of the year when we had 1,500 people attend. And all of a sudden, there's this giant thing with my face on it and says, is there any proof of life after death? Sandra wow. Champlain says yes. And as generous as that was, nobody in my community knew that I was studying that. And I mm -hmm. honestly was petrified that people would think I was a lunatic. Mm -hmm. And just the opposite happened. More people I know now more people believe in the afterlife and are interested in this than are not. But being human, we're afraid what people think. And we assume yes. that people aren't interested or that they might think we're crazy. But I had just the opposite reaction that I expected and more people embraced it. There were a couple that, you know, took me into a corner and wanted to cast mm -hmm. the devil out of me and <laughs> pray for me. All right. Thanks. Yes. Um, but, you know, I had to and follow And all well-meaning. Correct. I would that. That's all well-meaning when they do that, because that's genuinely what they believe. Yeah. And I'm not out to sway anybody's mm -hmm. opinion or beliefs, but just like you, just share what we know. Yeah. yeah. So did you ever have a fear of dying or did you? Um, um, I don't what, think I've ever. What had you Go get ahead. into or what did you get excited about learning about near-death experiences? Well, I don't think I've ever had a fear of dying, but I've always been very curious about what comes next. I've always believed there's more to this life than here on earth. So I always had that base. Um, and I think it really as a teenager, it more started with the brain. I was just fascinated by, you know, the capabilities of our brain and how, you know, positive thinking and, and, and what you can accomplish when you believe in something. And then from there, you start to go, well, it actually kind of extends beyond the brain. And then you realize that, you know, you, your thoughts can actually impact things around you. And so that's probably, you know, it sort of started more in here. And but I always had that spiritual base as well. And my dad did die when I was 18. And that's probably around the time that I started to get interested more into near-death experiences. Also, because that's when I first heard about them. So I'm sure that was part of it as well. But I also think that it was just a very natural thing for me to progress into. And, you know, when people say, well, what made you interested in that? I, I almost say it's kind of like I love animals. I don't know why. I've always loved them. I love cats. I've got a dog, too. Um, and it's kind of just it was in me. And um, it just is something that I kept to myself for a long time. And um, now I'm trying to share it with other people. I'm so glad you are. Did you have a, a books that you read in the beginning? Because I know there wasn't too much out there. Raymond Moody had mm -hmm. Life After Life. And how does one start digging around? Do, do yeah. you have some favorite stories that had you want to research more? Sure. Betty Eadie's was probably the first one that I read, and that was incredible. And what's interesting is I think it's a book that if you, I, you know, I read it many, many years ago. And then when you reread it, you kind of pick up a little bit more because over the years, I'm sure I've kind of changed and expanded my beliefs and things. And so I gathered more when I read it a second and a third time as well. And um, so that was a big one. Then after that, I think it was Daniel Brinkley who had a book and I read that book and then I went and saw him speak. And it was really interesting because he, it was such a great talk that he gave. And I sat there thinking, oh, I wish my husband would have come. You know, this would have been great. I, it really would have been fun for him. And so afterward, I had him sign my book and I just walked up to him and he wrote in the book, um, next time, I hope your husband can join us and signed it. And I just thought, wow, you know, where did that come from? So that was really interesting. And then I just sort of picked up any book along the way that I could find. And there weren't a lot at first, 
But then gradually the past 10 years, you know, there's been ions where you can go and find a lot of stories. So I read so many of those. Um, then, of course, YouTube came along and you could listen to stories. So it really helped me to expand kind of that knowledge and and really open my mind to things that maybe initially I wasn't quite sure about. And now I'm like, mm, well, maybe. And, you know, I'm sure you'd say the same. I don't have all the answers. And I'm sure that I'm going to continue to evolve. And I'm sure my beliefs will continue to change throughout my lifetime because that's just normal and natural. Will you tell us a little bit about some of the guests that you've had on and some of their stories? We love uh, stories, as I know uh, you and your followers do too. I've had so many wonderful guests on. It's It's been incredible. And I'm so excited about an upcoming guest. That would be Sandra Champlain. So that will be exciting. But I um, my very first one was David Bennett. And I was so grateful to him because I hadn't even started the podcast. I hadn't, you know, I just said, will you come on and be my first guest? And he was willing. And I just thought that was so kind. I mean, I had zero audience. And so he has an incredible story. And so that was really wonderful of him to come I don't know his story. We've never had him on. So if you want to share, and of course, people can go find Beyond with Heather Tesh to watch the whole thing or listen to the whole thing. Yes. And I won't do it justice. That's okay. Yeah. But he um, basically, he was kind of, he calls himself a brass young man and he was working. um, And I can't remember exactly, but it was, he was basically on a ship and was, you know, taking care of the ship. He was some sort of an engineer and he ended up taking a boat, you know, those little rubber boats from the main ship back to shore. He ended up drowning and he had this incredible experience and suddenly his whole world changed because it was nothing like what he thought. And it took him a while, like many people with near-death experiences, to kind of come around and accept it. but then he had another experience that kind of brought it all back. And then through that, um, he's now talks a lot. He's got a book um, that's out, um, Something Voyage, but um, it, it, it's a great book too. I read that many, many years ago as well. That was one of the ones I read. So he was a really interesting guest. Another guest that really um, stood out to me because it was such a heartbreaking and beautiful story is Jeff Olson. Have you interviewed him? Years ago, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was it was so tragic, and yeah. Tell so tell a little bit about his story because literally it could have been six, seven years ago mm-hmm. that I interviewed him, and of course, there's new followers of this show every day who yes. may not go back three hundred well, episodes ago. <laughs> he was in a tragic accident, and in this accident, which he was driving at the time. He possibly fell asleep. He isn't 100% sure what happened, but his wife and his toddler were killed. And so it was a horrible accident. He lost part of his leg. Um, His seven-year-old son was okay, Um, but he was shattered. I mean, he was, I think, in the hospital for like six months. But right at the accident scene, he had a beautiful near-death experience where he was reunited with his wife. He died there at the scene. And she said, you've got to go back. You've got to raise our son. And he said it was the hardest goodbye he ever had to make because he adored his wife. And so, but he made the choice along with her urging to come back and raise his other son. And it was a really hard journey though. Um, He was in the hospital, as I mentioned, for many months. And toward the end of his hospital stay, he had another near-death experience or another spiritual experience. And that's when he was able to see his son, his toddler. And he said it was just such a beautiful moment because one, he could run, which he hadn't been able to even barely get out of bed because of his leg and all of his injuries. He had tons of injuries. And um, he was able to run and he said it was real. You know, I felt my feet on the ground. And he said, then I saw this crib and, you know, he went over and his little boy was sleeping he was able to pick him up. And he said, I felt him. He was warm. He said, I could smell his hair. You know, it was just beautiful. And um, and he realized then he had this behind him. Um, uh, you know, God, uh, this presence came up behind him. 
And he thought, oh no, you know, I feel so guilty. I killed my son. But all he felt was love. And, you know, it said, there's nothing to forgive. And it was just such a beautiful moment for him. And then he realized he had a choice that he could hand his child over. So he was, you know, giving instead of having his son taken from him. And um, anyway, I mean, they're so touching. You know, you, 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 it breaks your heart, but at the same time, you hear these stories and they're just so inspiring. And he's gone on, um, he's written some beautiful books and um, they're just, I find them encouraging, inspiring. They teach us that there's so much more beyond this life. And they teach us that even when it's hard to keep going on and that better things are coming most of the time. I, you know, that's obviously not the case for all situations in life. But um, so that was another really beautiful story. Yeah, better situations are coming, whether they're in this life mm-hmm. or the next. And yeah. and I think you know from your own life and people that you've interviewed, mm-hmm. it's the toughest times that probably give us the biggest growth for our soul. You know, looking back as to who I am today, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be here with you had I not gone through some devastating loss and looking for answers. And, you know, I hit almost rock bottom yeah, and I, I, I needed that. that to be here. Mm-hmm. And I agree. It's the most challenging times of my life that you think there's no end. And then suddenly, a decade later, you go, okay, that's why that happened. And that brought me here. And if that hadn't happened, I wouldn't have been here. And also, the empathy that you gain for other people. And it just having been through something, you understand hurt and pain, even when it's very different than the hurt and pain you've gone through, you can go, oh gosh, I get that. You know, I know that life is hard. And so there are gifts in the pain, even though at the time, it's just really awful for so many people to go through it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Heather, what are some of the commonalities that you've found in some Mm -hmm. of these near-death experiences? Well, the big one, of course, is love. I mean, every about love, talk about yes. love, bring on some oh, love. It's so important. And, and love is um, one is the big theme on the other side. You know, you go there and you're so wrapped in love. Everything is just amazing. You feel incredible. So there's beauty in that. But then also you're taught that love is what's most important here on earth. So the people that come back and the people I've talked to, they've all changed um, so much in terms of wanting to be more loving. And to me, that encompasses being kind and being empathetic. And I do think those are a couple of things that just in general, we all could do better at. And certainly we can strive for it. We're not going to be perfect. But I do think that this world, you know, if we just kind of keep striving for that and get more people to strive for that, certainly it's going to make things a lot better for many people. Um, There was just a CNN person of the year announced, and it's a veterinarian who helps homeless pets or or people that are homeless that help. He helps their pets and he runs an organization and and he just does such beautiful things. It's so giving. And during his acceptance speech, he was saying that something like this, it's not the exact quote, but basically doing an act of kindness can change your day for the better. But for the person that you're doing it to, it can change their life. And, you know, what a great feeling when you can not only make yourself feel great when you help somebody, but you also um, know that it impacts their life. And, And again, many times we don't know, but I'm sure someday we will because we've both heard of life reviews and, um, you know, it, it may be really neat to see some of the things that we did that we had no clue that maybe we helped someone or maybe changed a life. Have the guests you talked to um, spoken about a life review at all? Mm-hmm. That's the big one. And to me, that's one of the most interesting things about these near-death experiences because that life review is so life-changing because you go and you see, you feel the pain that you have ever given to somebody else. But you not only feel that pain, you also feel it how it ripples out 
So if you affect this person, they might affect the next person and it kind of goes out through society. But at the same time, when you do something with love and when you encourage and help somebody, you feel that and that all comes back to you. And you also feel the ripples of that. And so something that you think might be have been so minor, maybe it was just a comment you gave somebody, a stranger you didn't even know, somebody in the grocery store, somebody who was serving you at a restaurant, and you say something to them, and you don't realize until that time when you have your life review how incredibly um, magical it was to change their life and to change the life of others. And there, there's going to be small things and there's going to be big things, but um, I think it's something that is exciting. And also, you know, we're going to see the things too that, that were not so pretty that we did. And, um, but it's all part of learning. And, and, and the only one, as you've heard before too, that many of them say is judging is us. We are judging ourselves, but we're not judging like we do as humans. You know, we, we're not going to give ourselves excuses. When we're up there, suddenly we see everything for as it is. And that's why we see the bad and we see the good. And, you know, a lot of times we can't see the, the good in ourselves because we're insecure. We don't really think we make a difference. And so that comes alive up there too. So we're going to realize just everything, how it actually played out. I don't wish a near-death experience on anybody because, you know, often there's pain involved mm -hmm. and suffering mm -hmm. and things, <clears throat> excuse me, but to be able to glean the impact of what happens. Mm -hmm. And like you said, love, I remember, I don't know, some self-empowerment course I was doing. They wanted me to put sticky notes all over, you know, these positive affirmations. Yeah. And I just thought if that message is truly love, which I believe it is, now, that would be a good sticky note to have over everything because our human machinery yes. often wants to make people wrong. It wants mm -hmm. to make ourselves wrong, wants us to be worried about the future and feel guilty about the past. And just whatever reminders that we can do for ourselves to look at the situation, look at other people, look at ourselves through that eye of love. And even and speaking, go ahead. I was saying, I'm sorry. I was going to say, and in doing that, um, we we can make mistakes, but then we can go back in our brain and go, you know what? I could have done that better. You know, I shouldn't have been short-tempered there. I don't know if it's a traffic or you, you were impatient with somebody, but then you just keep striving because none of us are perfect. And if we just keep though having that as the goal, I think it's it's like anything you practice. You get better at it as you practice. And I don't, I think a lot of people we want to say, oh, that's just the way I am, you know. But I don't think that's true. I think that with anything in life, if you practice it, you're going to get better at it. So. Yeah, I was going to say similar to the exact same thing. Yeah. If we're going to have this life review, why not look at some of the things in our life now? Yeah. And it's really hard to practice forgiveness, but it is the keys to the kingdom. You know, I heard somebody once say, uh, resentment or not forgiving is like taking rat, rat poison yourself, but waiting for yes. somebody else to die. I mean, it eats us up inside. So to be able to forgive and to know that our younger selves that made whatever decision at the time did the best they could. But if we're going to experience this anyways, let's experience some of these while we're here. So we don't have to revisit it then. Right. And, and there are two types of forgiveness. One is forgiving ourselves, which maybe is sometimes the hardest, but then also forgiving other people. Sometimes it's not easy to do. And, and, you know, when I've had really tough people, I'll say, okay, God, I can't do this, but do it for me. And, you know, even if it's hard to say, you know, bring them good, I'll say, you say it, you do it. And you kind of, in a way, you kind of let things soften up that way. And, and um, I think, it's it's not always possible for us as humans to get over things easily, especially when we've been deeply hurt. But I think it's important to keep trying to say, okay, I'm not even feeling it, but I want to bless you. Or, you know, I, um, I'm not loving what you did, but I'm, you know, I still want good for you. Even when you don't mean it, I think it's important to kind of say it because eventually you, you can come around to feeling less hurt. And to getting over it, which, like you said, it's for ourselves. You know, when we carry that pain 
of unforgiveness, it really can take a toll on us physically, mentally, emotionally. And I think it can show up certainly in our health as we get older, these things that we bury deep inside. I agree. Have any of your guests or any of your studies led you to this verifiable evidence that people couldn't possibly know, but yet somehow they did, even though their eyes were closed and they were either flatlined or whatever in that other world? Well, that is one of the interesting things because a lot of people say, well, there's no evidence. But if you search, there is. And that's one of the things I love about you. Um, I've listened to some of your talks. Um, By the way, you gave a great one in 2014 that I listened to recently. It was um, in Scottsdale. You were the keynote speaker. It was so inspiring. So folks, Google that. That was great. Um, But uh, what was my train of thought? I kind of Verifiable evidence from the near-death experience. And, And one of the things that you have done, which I think you've done very well, is that you've really gathered this evidence and you've shared it. Um, and I think that's so important for people to hear that, yes, there is actually evidence. And, and you know, my guests will share stories and some of them have something that can show what they did. For example, they know exactly what the doctors were saying and doing when it was impossible that they could have heard them. Of course, we've all heard probably about the famous shoe, you know, somebody seeing a shoe out in a hospital ledge and then somebody else being able to go retrieve it and say, yeah, there actually was on this high ledge of the hospital, um, the shoe that they were able to see when they kind of floated above the hospital. So there are certainly cases, but a lot of people want to discount a lot of the evidence that's out there. And, and you're better at this than me. So what do you think are some of the things that you found are just the most convincing when it comes to evidence? You and I are so cute because I'm interviewing you and then... <laughs> You're going to interview me. I love it. For me, yeah, I've I've talked to a lot of people and and done a lot of the studies. And the latest research on near-death experience, and this comes from science and medicine. You know, first, let me just say, earlier, Sandra didn't buy into any of this. I had the excuse, this has got to be what happens when the brain shuts down, right? And I think a lot of people say that without looking for the evidence. And Right now, it's when within the past month to several months that different universities and different sciences and have come out with that near-death experiences are definitely not hallucinations. They're not what happens when the brain shuts down. They're not, some are not willing to say what they are, but there's no way that this verifiable evidence can happen if it was just a hallucination. It just, it couldn't, it couldn't be. And then just a couple of weeks ago, um, there was a university in New York, trying to think which Grossman University, I can't remember exactly who it was, but there was a study done of people that had flatlined, you know, we've heard that term flatliners. Mm -hmm. And they found that the brain can be resuscitated up to an hour after the heart stops beating and there's no air getting to it. I mean, it that it goes into like a hibernation stage and it can be whole again. And so what they were getting into is these extraordinary experiences. They said something like 30% of the people that they studied had verifiable information that although they were out, eyes were closed, they were being operated on, they were witnessing actual things that were happening within the hospital room and outside of it, witnessing family members and conversations that were happening. Even Ken Ring uh, wrote a book or several books talking about near-death experiences of blind people never having vision before and for the first time they're seeing accurately and telling telling these verified stories. So, so not only have they shown that something extraordinary is happening within the brain that allows this to happen, it was Dr. Sam Parnia who said that he feels that in our day-to-day life, like we are right now, that our brain has some kind of braking system on it. So we're only able to deal with whatever's coming at us. But in that moment of death, It's like we get access to all of it. So whatever that consciousness is that can be outside of our body and looking 
here, you know, looking down on our body or seeing our deceased relatives, that there's something so fascinating. So this is all coming from science and medicine. And then also, um, even though body is out of it, flatlined, heart is not beating, the brain goes into this gamma state. You know, we hear of the delta waves and the theta waves and the gamma waves. And you take these monks that, you know, are meditating in a mountain or in a cave 30 years and they get in touch with all of it. You know, you hear these, those great stories. Well, they're in gamma when that happens. And so for our, our brains to go into that mode for that up to an hour into the death stage that we are connected to all of it. I mean, that is the, the, the field that it, science and medicine is studying right now. So it's not a matter of just hallucinations. And like you said, you have that famous example of the shoe that was on the uh, hospital um, ledge and Mm -hmm. somebody floated up and they saw it and somebody went up there and sure enough, it was there. There's plenty of those um, examples of this verifiable information. And I think it's mind-blowing, incredible. And although near-death experiences are all different, they are definitely, for me, a reason to believe that our life goes on outside of death. Yes, for sure. Totally agree. Have they talked about how clear their near-death experiences are versus just like a regular memory? Yes, they're so much clearer. They're so much realer, as you know. And it's it's hard for us to imagine. and you know, what is actually taking place. And it's so hard for them to describe that because it is so different than this world. It's ineffable. They don't have the words. They don't have the experiences here on earth to be able to, you know, relay what they saw there because it's just so completely different. And what's also interesting is they're just getting a little taste. You know, it's kind of like if you lived in a house on the ocean and you just, you know, got a dip your toe, or maybe you lived on a lake. You just got to dip your toes in a little lake, but you wouldn't know about the ocean. You wouldn't know about the desert. You wouldn't know about space. You wouldn't know about the universe. And, you know, there's so much beyond what we could even conceive of. And I think as humans, we, I mean, obviously we're all curious. We want to know bits and pieces, but I think that's why it's important not to get too locked into, this is exactly what happens when you die. This is, you know, you go here because there's so much we don't know. And there's so much that people that have seen that's beyond incredible that they can't describe. So just imagine what else is out there that they have yet to experience that we have all yet to experience. You know, we've got an eternity. So there's got to be a lot of good stuff out there for us to be able to just love and enjoy it, being there in that amazing place of love. Um, And I think earth makes us appreciate it because here it's hard. Here's here, there's pain. Here's there, here, there is grief. But if we didn't know pain, we wouldn't know. We wouldn't appreciate the love. It's like um, in the spring, there's nothing better than going outside. It's 70 degrees. It's sunny after a cold winter. But when it's sunny every day in 70, well, you know, you don't appreciate it quite as much. And so possibly, you know, that's one of the reasons that we're here on earth. Boy, you think like I do. (laughs) We certainly do. How about people seeing loved ones in the near-death experiences? I know you talked about Jeff Olson, but have you spoken to or done research on other people? Because I find that very comforting, very comforting hearing stories of, of loved ones that are there. Well, it's interesting. In fact, you got me thinking about that recently because I was listening to you and you were talking about people visiting us in our dreams. And so when my dad died, I was 18 and the first year was very difficult for me. And it was during that year that he was in my dreams a lot. And every time he came, he was just visiting and he couldn't stay, but he was just kind of checking in. And so I, I guess I kind of discounted that a lot. I mean, I, I, I believed he was actually visiting me, but at the same time, it was a dream. It could have been just a dream. 
And I think in listening to you, you know, you were saying, you know, don't discount those things because those are ways that people reach out to us. And it was really funny because then I hadn't, you know, heard from him in a dream for many, many years. And this was probably about 10 years ago. I had a dream with him in it again. And at the very end, he was leaving and he said, see you soon. And I went, what? What? What do you mean, see you soon? But again, we have to remember that soon to them is very different than soon to us here on earth. But it did kind of freak me out a little bit. Oh, of course it would. And it could have been soon in another dream. So yes, yes, it could have been. I I was just going to say, I don't buy into people that say they can completely read the future. I think the future is unwritten. There might be tendencies, but no, Mm -hmm. don't let anybody tell you that, you know, your number's up next week or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Heather. I was going to say, sorry again, my asthma. Okay. Take care of yourself. Oh my gosh. Again, I'll take any like energy Mm -hmm. anybody wants to send my way. This has been uh, hanging around for a while, but um, this sounds maybe a little out there for some people. um, But I, as as you heard earlier, I'm an animal lover and I'm especially a cat lover. I've always had cats. And I think as a kid, they were my comfort, you know, long before they were comfort animals. um, You know, when I was sad, I'd go hang out with my cat and hug my cat. And my cat was so wonderful. Rufus was one I've had recently. And, you know, Buffy was one I had as a kid that were just so comforting to me. But um, so one time um, I had a cat that had been very ill. And so I ended up actually having to tube feed this cat for a year and a half. And so the only way he was surviving is, is me injecting this food through a tube that was in his stomach. And he was always, you know, so happy when I fed him. And it was hard to do because there's a pressure difference between your stomach and the outside world. So if you let go of that um, tube, everything in his stomach is going to spray all over the ceiling. I mean, it's it was a, a big chore. And, you know, I did it twice a day. You love him. You I love loved him. him yes. Um, such a good kitty. Amor was his name. And um, he's yeah. the only cat that came back to me. And after he died, I had this. I was sleeping, but it was more than a dream. It wasn't even like my when my dad came. It was more like a vision. And he was up in the corner and he just looked at me with love. And it was like he was saying thank you to me. You know, he didn't say anything. I just felt it. And so that was really cool because, as you know, not only do we want to see our loved ones when we die, but, you know, so many of us are so attached to our pets and you know, when I was growing up, I was always told, well, pets don't have souls, so they're not going to heaven. But, you know, I've found one, if you really love a pet, you know, you know, they have souls. They're, they're such beautiful creatures. And I've certainly learned that they do go to heaven. I always believed it, though. And, um, you know, you hear incredible stories that I've talked to guests and I've listened to stories just about people that have been reunited with loved ones, people that have seen their pets. So, these things that we're afraid of when we lose people, you know, certainly we're going to hurt here on earth. You know, it's so hard to say goodbye to somebody. I mean, it's hard when my son goes off to college and I know I'll see him again, you know, in a couple months, you know, that's hard. So certainly we grieve, but I think it's so important that we realize they are living large. I mean, they are so happy where they're at, whether it's a pet, whether it's a human, um, they are our love and life more than we can ever imagine. And I do think that they still are loving on us and, um, you know, that we're going to be able to reconnect with them, if not here on earth, um, you know, through something that, you know, a dream or whatever, um, that certainly we're going to have um, that huge connection with them when we do someday pass from this earth into what's next. I 100% agree. Not too long ago, I was reading a book by Dr. Melvin Morris, and he was talking about Mm. the near-death experiences of children, you know, Mm. so they were filled with seeing people and animals that they had. And what's Mm -hmm. more comforting than that? You know, we'll see them. And, you know, I am fascinated with near-death experience stories as you are. Mm -hmm. And I love hearing that people see their loved ones, but they don't see them as they 
remember them last being. They're young, they're Mm -hmm. in their 20s, 30s, they're healthy, they're well. If they had glasses, they don't have glasses. They're in a wheelchair, no wheelchair. They're radiant. Yes. And I love that. And like you Mm -hmm. said, the, the, the memories are just so clear. They're so vivid and virtual. And, you know, you mentioned dreams. To me, I think the next area, well, it's where I'm going, um, but others are too, is the world of lucid dreaming. Because there are dreams Mm -hmm. that our subconscious is involved and, you know, things are crazy. And we may dream of our loved one, but it might not be in a great way. I think our subconscious is involved, but there's this whole level called lucid dreaming Mm -hmm. that if we can catch ourselves that we're actually dreaming, we can do some incredible things. We can talk to our higher self. We can invite in our loved one. And like I had said, even though I've only had one instance that, you know, it's funny because I think when we start studying anything, the Mm -hmm. uh, universe, if you want to call it, or God gives us a little taste of what's possible, but then we have to work at it to to make it happen. But there was my dad. I, I um, was, I was going through my day in real, real life. Mm -hmm. And I'd look at my hand and I'd say, am I dreaming? Am I dreaming? And that's one of the ways people can get into lucid dreams, because if you catch yourself in the dream world, take a look at your hand and there's a good chance that you only have two fingers or you have hands backwards. And that's, that'll tell you, oh my gosh, I'm in one of these dreams. Yeah. It's very, it's a very real thing. And I thought, okay, if this is possible. And I just said, I, I imagine two folding chairs and I said, um, dad, if you're around, you know, would you come? And all of a sudden there he was, but he wasn't there like any other dream. He was as real as me talking to you today or or my dad being right here in the room. I can kind of remember dad's voice, but in the dream he spoke, I could hear it. I got a real hug and it was as clear as any memory I've, I've had or clearer. So I think that might be the next horizon that we're moving for. Mm-hmm. People love to go to a medium, but a lot of mediums aren't good and they charge way too much money. And if there's a way that we can connect with our loved ones ourselves and really feel that presence, I think you know, that's, I mean, that's yes. what my passion is right now. So stay tuned for more of that, but yeah. <laughs> well, here's I've, something I've, that I was thinking about recently. Are you done? I don't want to interrupt. I'm done. Yes. Okay. (laughs) But something related that I was thinking about is, you know, many years ago, we didn't have a microscope. And so we couldn't see little tiny germs. I mean, we couldn't see things that we can see now. And I thought, you know, could there ever be something that would allow us to see in another dimension? You know? Because we would have thought these other things were impossible. It seems impossible that, but what if you could? And then what if suddenly you go, oh my gosh, there's stuff happening all around me that I didn't know about. There are these beings, loving beings all around me. Um, That would be really interesting. I agree. So that's, I'm sorry, that might be a little out there, but it's just something I was thinking about recently. Yeah, it's good. We never know. And then you never know who's watching or listening right now. You don't. And I, you think of our t- cell phone yeah. technology when that first came out, these yes. big bulky things. And now yeah. in our hands, we can get to almost all the information in the world yeah. in seconds. You know, there might be a person who grabs onto this and says, you know, let's put a little of this together and, and make cool. something happen. You never know where these ideas come. And I think our loved ones want us to know that they are healthy and alive and well, just as much as we want to know that they are, but you know, it's different. We're never going to know until we get there, right? How hard it is to communicate, you know, until we actually figure out from that side. And maybe it's not hard for them to communicate. Maybe it's just hard for us to receive it. Sounds good. I know my mind is often busy as many people's are. So how often are we in that perfectly quiet moment in our mind? which I want to be better about. That's always kind of my goal. Okay. I'm going to meditate 2024. I'm going to start, you know, doing more. And I have in the past I've been, um, but that was really over a decade ago when I was good about it. And um, I think it really leads you to some wonderful experiences as well as just being able to quiet your mind. But um, then it kind of got hard for me. And so I feel like now I'm in a point at a point where I could probably start to get a little better at it. So I'm going to try doing that in the future. Yeah. It's not easy. I talk about meditation all the time, but I doesn't mean I'm doing it every day. (laughs) 
And it really is, whether it's an eye open meditation or eyes closed, just being present. Yes. Mm-hmm. As present as you can be to your surroundings and then trust those feelings that come in or those images. And sometimes it's as easy as out of the blue, you'll get a memory or you might start laughing of something you and your loved one did together. And that's them coming through. You know, they speak through our imagination. So I Mm -hmm. think we need to pay attention to that. Heather, what else would you like to share while we are here together? I know our time goes by very quickly, but I don't want to miss anything. Well, I'm just so grateful to get to know you. You are, I feel like we have a lot in common and um, it's really fun talking to you. So first of all, thank you so much for that. I appreciate your generosity and inviting me here. And then, you know, I just invite people if you want to check out um, Beyond with Heather Tesh. Um, it's it's new, but I really had some amazing guests, as I just said earlier. I've got another amazing one coming up um, here soon, and that'll be Sandra. So, um, you know, check it out. But, you know, there's there's so many great shows like yours. I'm just glad that there are a lot of places for people to turn to now that there really weren't before because I was searching before for stuff like this and I couldn't find it for a long time. I was so glad when I found your show and I'm hopefully that there's something out there for everyone, because I do think all of our shows kind of do a little bit different spin and direction in what we're sharing. You know, mine is mainly just focused on near-death experiences. You do near-death experiences, but you also expand into other things as well. And so I think that we all, you know, there's people out there with various interests and it's nice that they can find that perfect fit for them. Yeah. Thank you for that. And and another tidbit for those YouTube users out there, Mm -hmm. you may see one of Heather's episodes or somebody else's, if you're interested in near-death experiences, but take a look in the comment section because so often people will tell their stories and yes. there's not people that have ever written a book mm-hmm. or have a podcast. They're just regular people. So there's near death experiences, there's deathbed visitors, uh, signs from loved ones. You know, there's some people that write some crazy things too, but if you of look course. through, some people just want to share their own experience. So and, there's some and it, wisdom. Yes. And it's not just that it's, um, they also share their grief and, you know, it's very touching when you hear their stories because people have had some really hard lives mm-hmm. and they're going through very difficult things. And it is so comforting to me when I can hear them, when they respond back and say, thank you, because your guest, you know, just helped me feel better about this. You know, and a lot of times they've lost a loved one. And um, sometimes it's a pet, it's, you know, it's, or the life just is hard and, and they just have questions. And so I think um, in those comments too, we gain empathy because, you know, we, we realize that when our life's going good, that doesn't mean everybody else is going good. And, and we've all had times when our life has been hard and there you see company that other people are getting through it as well. So I do think the comments are very important and I, I really enjoy reading the comments as I'm sure you do as well. I do. One of the yeah. biggest things I, I'm taking it for granted here, but mm-hmm. you're being it, even though you didn't have a near-death experience and I didn't, but what so many people, if not all people that have near-death experience, they make their life about being of service to yes. other people. Mm-hmm. And so for us, Maybe we didn't have a near-death experience, but if we can look through the eyes of love, like you were mentioning at the beginning, or how can I make this person's day a little brighter? It could be as simple as giving somebody a smile or when you're checking out at a grocery store, commenting, oh, those are beautiful earrings. Oh, you've got a nice mm-hmm. smile. Those little things are being of service. Right. And, and it's not, you know, what's interesting that you just pointed out is neither one of us has had a near-death experience. But I imagine, like me, that you have changed so much from listening to these stories. And I think that's the gift to people that have not had a near-death experience. Because, you know, you hear one story and you go, oh, that's really nice. You know, I enjoyed that. But it's accumulation. You know, when you hear story after story after story after story of people saying the same thing, the same thing about love, the same thing about seeing their loved ones. Um, the same thing about how important it is 
to come back here on earth. And as you said, serve, um, to be kind, to be empathetic, to be loving. Um, I do think these stories are changing people. And as one person changes, the next person changes and, and, and it does ripple out. And I think it's great that there are more of these podcasts and shows that are out here because it seems like there's a greater interest. And I think that's all a good thing. And, um, you know, hopefully it's going to change lives. You know, that's what we can hope for. Oh, Heather, beautiful words. Heather, thank you so much for being our guest today. Thank you. You're welcome. And for our listener or our viewer, be Mm -hmm. sure to go to Beyond with Heather Tesh. You can visit her YouTube channel, check out her episodes. Uh, She's a great lady. And also, if you enjoy listening to stories about life after death, of course, we've got We Don't Die Radio here with over 400 episodes. And a few years ago, I was asked by iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM to do another podcast. And you can find Shades of the Afterlife wherever you find podcasts or go to shadesoftheafterlife.com. On this show, We Don't Die Radio, I am one-on-one with a guest. On that show, there could be several different topics and news all within one episode. So I hope you'll enjoy that too. Also, head over to wedontdie.com that you can find everything, past episodes and so much more. You may decide that you want to come to our free Sunday gathering, which is lovely, or watch one of the replays that's there too. And of course, take a class if you like. Everything's got a money back guarantee. Everything is low price. And I tell you, you know, I not bad mouthing mediums because there are some good ones out there. But like I said, lots of them are very expensive and may not be great. But if you yourself take a course or two and you realize, you know, you work with people in the class on Zoom in breakout rooms, and you realize that all human beings have the ability to be a medium, but just like learning a piano, you know, some people are gifted at it, some people have to practice, but to have those experiences of feeling the love of a spirit person and knowing things that there's no way you could possibly know, that's a lot of good evidence that our life goes on. So again, you can find everything at wedontdie.com. In closing, my name is Sandra Champlain. I'm always so happy to be your host on We Don't Die Radio. I do believe that life is an education for the soul and that our lives here on earth are so important. And yes, it is tough to forgive, but take a look at that person in the mirror. Tell them you love them. They're great. They've done the best they can. Look through the eyes of love and yeah, do the best you can. So thank you for listening or for watching and we'll see you again soon. Mm -hmm.